Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today coming from Austin, Texas, Jen Furukawa, uh, co-founder, is that correct, of Prehost? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it, it, Gen, Gen Furukawa. Uh, but yeah, yeah co-founder. Thanks. Sorry about that. I should have asked. That's you. all right. Sir. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. So uh, Prehook, tell people a bit about Prehook for starters, just for context. Yeah, sure. So uh, Prehook is a quiz platform for Shopify merchants. Uh, we help merchants basically have a 24-7 sales associate on their site. So uh, ask a few questions, find out what somebody's challenges, goals, interests, preferences are. And then from there, you can provide a far more personalized custom experience, uh, which translates to acceler accelerating list growth, improving conversion rate and capturing zero party data or data that customers proactively and willingly share yeah. with you. Yeah. Zero party data. By the way, you did that really, you did that too well by, by a long shot. Like clearly you've got this dialed in. Oh, no. I'm teasing, I'm teasing you. Um, why do quizzes, why do quizzes get, you know, response that you'd never get if you said fill in this form? Yeah. That, that's a good question. I think because a quiz naturally plays to our human interest in learning more about ourselves and discovery. And then there's this element of fun and engagement that comes with the quiz, as opposed to when you step into the dentist's office or doctor's office, hey, uh, fill out this intake hey, form. Yeah. And, and then it's like, it's very clinical, it's very dry. But the way that you can, as a brand, ask, ask of your customers a few questions, mm -hmm. like say, for example, a wine brand like First Leaf or Wink, they are wine brands and wine is a very, uh, it can be very advanced and esoteric and a little bit off-putting for those that don't know about it. But yeah. uh, the brand's mission is to make wine more welcoming. And obviously they want to cast as wide a net as possible. Sure. If you're able to say, hey, do you like, you know, tannins in your wine? That's hard for some people to understand. I, I don't really know. But do you like chocolate or do you like coffee? Do you like caramel? Like what flavors do you like? And then all yeah. of a sudden it becomes a far easier question to answer. Yeah. And that becomes a proxy for, oh, okay, so you might like these fruit forward wines or, or this type of wine. Uh, and, and so I think that's where a quiz can stand out by making it more accessible and easy to understand. And then you're, you're able to, with your expert authority of whatever it is that you're selling, represent like, hey, this is the product that we recommend for you, Matthew, because you answer these questions. Right. And then from there, <clears throat> and this is where where you, it plays into your expertise is you can lay out, you know, here's a brand store. Here are the benefits of the product specific to the expli explicitly stated problems that you have. Yeah. And then you're you're able to craft a far more compelling message and send better offers and, and content based on the data that you're gathering. We're in a... We're in a funny stage in, in a sort of the fit of digital in our lives, you know, post pandemic, everyone got shoved 10 years into the future, um, where broadly speaking, waking up in to various levels in various countries to the, uh, privacy issues of digital. Um, and, and that's starting to change what's, what's legal and permitted and so on. But I also sense that there's some blast shields up by, by, you know, by all of us as end consumers. What will I say yes to? What will I fill in? What will I allow? What will I even take time <laughs> to do? And I, I love the sort of sidestep effect of, Hey, I just want to, I, we'd just like to know a bit about you so we can help you better, which it, it sounds like is the, is, is the thrust of, uh, of prehook. Um, 
quizzes have been around for a while. What made you say we can do it more, better, newer? Yeah. So, uh, great question. It was, uh, I co-founded Prehook with uh, two friends who I'd been working with since 2015. We were part of the founding team of Jungle Scout, which is an Amazon product research tool, okay. help people find products to sell on Amazon, validate that there is in fact demand and low competition. Um, so yeah, we'd, we've been working together for four years, strictly in the Amazon seller space. And we'd always wanted to do things on our own to uh, build and launch a SaaS on our own. And then uh, when exploring different ideas, realize that the the challenges that an Amazon seller faces are very different than what a Shopify seller faces in that an Amazon listing is very crafted for SEO. So you you know what the search query is that somebody's searching for, and then you're going to build a listing specifically around uh, you know selling blue water bottles, for example, and the benefits of that and the features of that. But if you're a Shopify brand, you don't necessarily know why people are coming to your store or what they're looking for, what challenges they're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. But even if you're just able to capture a few simple questions, you can add so much more context and then personalize uh, the experience around that. So we did we did speak with uh, a handful of merchants when we were exploring this, like, is this something that's actually worth building? And a lot of the merchants um, did need that. This is also before iOS 14.5, where... Um, you know, the, the, the landscape of marketing as a whole is changing a lot where, yes. uh, consumer privacy and, and, and data is harder to, uh, access and capture yeah. and the traditional playbook of e-commerce brands running paid media campaigns and having a low cost of acquisition, um, is changing as targeting becomes harder cost per click increases, uh, never mind all the supply chain issues of the, um, yeah. past year or so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was something where Typeform was no longer, was not really an ideal fit and some brands were using Typeform, yeah. um, but there are some shortcomings there with how it integrates with a different tech stack of an e-commerce brand. Mm -hmm. And so we, we started building it in 2020, launched in early 2021. And um, I mean, like I said, there, there are some macro factors of the e-commerce marketers world that have been a tailwind for us uh, and, and Nice. made the necessity of building a direct relationship far more important. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, you mentioned Typeform if, uh, for someone who's listening who doesn't sort of live in the, in the space that we're probably uh, spending way too much time in. Ty Typeform is a terrific, uh, great looking, generic uh, question and answer form. It's not, does, not as, as specific and targeted, I think, is what you're doing. And as you said, in, integration is, is quite key. Uh, Shopify user is not necessarily, it's not all they do in their day job is work in Shopify. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 That, that is so <laughs> true. I'm get I'm going to give us a, a, a bit of a straw man account and I'll, I'll do a local call out at the same time. I spotted an article the other day, uh, cause my, my news feed in the morning, the town I live in Bellingham, Washington pops up and I saw a headline that a, a small one-man company here had won the top hot sauce in the world. And there are, there are nutcases for hot sauce, right? Um, so I'm walking through the farmer's market two days later, great farmer's market, and I went, wait a minute, that's him. So I walk over and I chat with the guy, Funky's Hot Sauce, super nice guy. He's the guy who makes the hot sauce. And I said, hey, congrats, saw you the news. He was like, oh, my word, our website just blew up. like. 
hundreds of orders from all over the place came pouring in because there are hot sauce nuts in the world. And I said, well, what, like, what, what's it built on? He said, oh, well, we had blah, 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 and GoDaddy, and we're sending email and Outlook. And I said, oh, wow, uh, looking at Shopify now, are you? And he said, yes. So uh, you know, I'm talking with someone who's about to jump into that, what's becoming one of the standard ecosystems for, for businesses to, to extend their reach into e-commerce as well. And the questions he was asking, he realized he's, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna benefit, but he's gonna have a ton to learn in that complicated ecosystem as easy as they make it. He's still gonna have a ton to learn, isn't he? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely would agree with that. And ideally Shopify is handling a lot of that, the, the, the backend operations to make yeah, it easier that's, and, that's and the, terms of like the, the technical element. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's, there's always a, a <laughs> steep learning curve, yeah. but with the brand, and, and this is what I've noticed with a lot of Shopify merchants is um, a lot of outsourced work. And, and so that's where services like yours comes in, where an agency, which has a deep expertise in say email or paid ads or CRO or, or influencer acquisition, right. like the, you know, pick and choose what it is. And then all of a sudden you're, you're kind of like not as beholden with a you know full W2 employee, but you're still able to get those, those needs met. Uh, but yeah, I think Shopify is uh, far more scalable and, and stable a solution than some. Uh... Well, you know, e- e- e-coms matured a lot in, uh, in the last couple of decades. And, and, you know, there were points where things like taking payments were, was a huge technical exercise. And then, Stripe came along and said, "Yeah, it should be two, should be three lines of code. Let's make that simple." And they've grown, they've grown to match. I'm, I'm a little intrigued that you went from the Amazon ecosystem to the Shopify ecosystem because, in, in some ways, those are they're not necessarily competitors, but there's definitely a, they, they, they definitely are going to bump into each other out there in the world. Yeah. The, the one by one, many, many, many Shopify merchants versus the big one. Amazon as a merchant and, and the people who work within that ecosystem in Amazon's brand, any, like, what were the big, what was the big aha coming from Amazon to Shopify? From, from my perspective, Amazon is, uh, I think one of the big, biggest challenges of an Amazon seller is to actually build a brand. And like I was saying earlier, I mean, it, it's become, uh, like one of the biggest search engine. So people who know what they want will go to Amazon to search. And I think the stat was like 50% of people, once they know what they want to buy, it's yeah. not necessarily like so much for discovery yeah. or shopping, but it's for um, specified search. Yeah. And the challenge is that it, it becomes very saturated. And so we've seen an internationalization of who the seller is, which largely means that, uh, <clears throat> and, and when I was starting in 2015, uh, in in selling on Amazon and I did sell a product on Amazon, not successfully. Uh, but the challenge is you, you work with a supplier often in China and you know, you buy it for a third of what the retail price is. You, you import it, you sell it, you market it on Amazon, and then you, you take your 30% profit. Uh, it becomes a little bit of a race to the bottom. And so once suppliers start selling themselves to yeah. cut out the middleman who yeah. I was, yeah. uh, all of a sudden it, it becomes harder to compete. So yeah. the, uh, the value of, a brand off of uh, off of Amazon, like where people are driving their own traffic, owning their own list, owning their own audience, right. is uh, so critical. And so it's a different marketing challenge. Uh, and I think in some ways Amazon is a necessary ch- uh, channel that 
brands would use. And it all falls under the umbrella of e-commerce. Um, but I think a lot of it, ideally, and you have to ask, you know, merchant to merchant, it might differ, but ideally, uh, they might prefer a direct to consumer sale as opposed to through Amazon, right. just because you're losing a lot of the customer data, which means it becomes harder to drive repeat purchases. Margins might be lower because Amazon's taking their cut. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's good to augment sales maybe, but, um, ideally people are, are owning their sales, owning their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm, I'm glad to hear you say it. I, my, my hot sauce example fits here in my mind in that what I'd encourage the, 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 the Janet Funky's hot sauce to do is be, be, become a direct, uh, known brand to, to the folks in the world who are, who are nuts about hot sauces. If he's just another bottle they bought on a big store, let's say Amazon, then he's going to be competing for their attention again next month versus, oh yeah, that guy. I get his email or I get his text messages and my gosh, that was great. What's he got that's new? And like, you get a little brain space, you yeah. get a little, little bit in the attention economy. And that's, that's hard to do when you're just a product in, in, in a big conglomerate conglomerated store. I think that's what. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking. You know, the one workaround there is if it's brands, so it might, whether it's a warranty or if it's a hot sauce, maybe it's like, you know, sign up for your $5 discount off your next bottle or something. Sure. But Often the the move there is in the unboxing phase. Yeah. You're driving them back to your website to yeah. sign up for something, and at yeah. least then you're opening the channel of communication uh, to capture an email or phone number. Yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, I'm a longtime and loyal Amazon customer for a bunch of reasons, and I, I, I admire what they've done greatly. But but I'm sympathetic to the, to the challenge of of the business that wants to grow beyond that because. Um, it's a, it's like, it's like your gravitational force, right? Mm -hmm. Amazon. And I've got, I've had the unboxing experience you talk about, you know, Hey, sign up here or here's a coupon. And it's, it's really hard to get me to sit down and go, sure. I'll bother. Cause it yeah. kind of got commoditized, whatever it was probably got commoditized a little bit just in uh, oh yeah, here's the Amazon prime truck and there's the box and oh yeah, I forgot I ordered that and I move on to the next, um, Back to quizzes for a second and, and, um, and pre-hook. Um, I like the, I like the sort of pattern interrupt notion of a quiz because in the email world, there's a lot of talk about getting people just to fill in the sign up form. And, you know, if you go beyond three or four things you're asking, people will drop off. Well, that's because you're asking them boring stuff that they already know, mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not any self-discovery, which was kind of your point. Is yeah. Feedback in pre-hook, if I say, yeah, you know, I definitely prefer chocolate over chili, is it, do you, do you go, well, gee, you're unusual or more people prefer chocolate or something like that? Like, how do you, how do you, uh, enhance that experience? So it's beyond just me answering questions. Well, you know, feature wise, you can definitely make it more tailored and, and specific with conditional logic. So con conditional logic is yeah. basically if then. So mm -hmm. if Matthew says he likes chocolate over vanilla, Mm -hmm. You can, you know, give a a statement about that. Um, <clears throat> different brands like uh, Noom, for example, Noom is a weight loss app. So not, not e-commerce per se, but they have an intake form uh, quiz. And so it's, you know, what are your goals? Where are you at? And then based on the response, there will be a relevant statistic about that. Same okay. with yeah. Pam's and hers, you know, like hair loss brands, um, like 
And and that's in some way to create a rapport or, hey, you're not alone. Like, here's the explicitly stated issue. Here's a solution. Um, but, you know, I, I think these are issues where people might have, there might be some sense of shame or or like huh. challenge around it. Yeah. And yeah. and so it's like, here's your problem, good. Um, and then, of course, the, the job of a marketer is to present the solution and the bridge towards their, their future aspirational self that they want to achieve. So... Um, yeah, to answer your question, there is definitely ways to uh, to make it like specific to your uh, your answers, and then also just have it more of a free flowing conversation, or, or mimic that free flowing conversation you'd have with a sales associate in person. Did you have any debates in the development process about uh, about trying to do uh, AI driven bot versus uh, structured form? Uh, well, so that that you know is a little bit on the roadmap. I personally don't love, you know, like an intercom chat is good. Um, the the AI part of it is is it, it's a little bit to me of a clunky user experience to replicate <laughs> like the you know dot 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 typing yeah. typing because you yeah. know you know that it's already there. It just seems like a slower thing. And um, if it's a live chat, that's great. But live chat is a double edged sword because if live chat if nobody's there and you don't have yeah. the resources to make yeah. it an immediate experience, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, the, the the AI part is great, and we do hope to implement AI in terms of what the recommendation is ultimately. Sure. Uh, and and this is ideal for larger brands that have a lot of uh, data, data to build training models off of. Yes. Uh, but in terms of the chatbot, not yet. Yeah. We, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah, and and it you know it's daunting. Con conversation is a lot more complex than we think. Yeah. And oh second, yeah. The second you open the door to converse with me via this little box people are gonna go off the rails right they yeah. ask you completely unexpected stuff and and oops uh, i guess you must be just a dumb ai because your response makes no sense totally <laughs> and and you know then you have you have the challenge of like the, the beauty of a quiz and the data that you're gathering is that it's structured data structured. so that it's yeah. it's easy to manipulate it's easy to draw insights from and and use export do pivot tables all of this stuff which is great for example if you're doing post purchase surveys mm -hmm. you know how did you hear about us mm -hmm. and so that's critical these days for brands to understand the attribution of th their marketing dollars yeah. so what yeah. channel did you hear from us or more specifically, okay, you heard from us on a podcast. Well, which podcast? And so it helps you make these decisions of how to spend more money effectively. Um, and you could even do it for product research. Like if you are, um, let's say, like, I don't know, a t-shirt brand or, or you know, you're you're looking like what patterns do you like? And so you can create segments of uh, your customers, say you're, you're a high, high value VIP customers. Um, what are you looking for next? Or which of these do you need? And, and so you can do uh, research with your customers and it's it's more scalable and easier to ingest if it's structured as opposed to an open-ended like hey what are you looking for because then it requires somebody to go through and and do an analysis of that right right gotcha um one of the things that i'd expect with quizzes is that the question you ask and the answer you get may re may help you understand a bunch more than is obvious I mean, to your, to your, you know, chocolate and wine example, you're asking me about chocolate, but really you're starting to delve into broader, you know, uh, taste flavor preferences, not just chocolate itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you help, does your platform help, um, help that analytical side process? No, 
No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So really, I mean, you, you can, you can see it and you can see it, you can yeah. visualize it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like what to make of it, yeah. no, we don't do that as a platform that that's really incumbent on the marketers. On the marketer. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I'm happy to jump in and, and share my thoughts. Well, no, it's just, it's, it'd be an interesting because there's a lot of, there's a lot of psychology and a lot of design there, right? Asking the right, asking the question that helps you to move that understanding of the customer relationship with them forward. Um, you can't just arbitrarily throw out things. You've got to, you've got to really think through what, 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 what do we need to understand in order to do our job and serve, serve them better? Mm -hmm. Um, I, this, that, that. I'm guessing people go, oh, this is a little harder than I thought frequently. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, backside post, like post survey, we talked about this a little briefly in the prep. Um, you know, the, the listeners for this podcast tend to be involved in email and marketing more broadly in some way. Um, what, what, what do you see the impact of prehook and quizzes? in that in that longer term marketing relationship that your customers have i mean obviously they're going to be more informed that's a good piece of it but what else as in like what how do what? quizzes contribute to marketing exactly yeah so it's um it's a lot of the the zero party data so okay. you know like I, let's just uh clarify like so zero party data of course is like i'm i'm telling you what i want um historically like it, First party data is easy. That's where a lot of like personalization efforts might be built on. Mm -hmm. First party data is tracked passively though. That that might be transaction history or how much how much I've spent. Maybe extracting from that where I live based on the shipping address. Um, or you know, it, it, there's a lot of assumptions that you need to uh, draw from it, and those assumptions might be correct or might not be. Uh, go to second party or third party data, and all of a sudden it's far less accurate. Um, because you're you're buying it, you don't know necessarily like where it came from, or you don't know where Facebook is getting it from, or when they when they captured this data, um, and so that's the the value. Of course, the closer you get to the source, the more accurate and the more um, direct insights you can draw from it. Um, but the reason why it's helpful is um, ultimately, and especially now, I know that you you bring personalization kind of like as one of the main things that you're working towards. Personalization is built foundationally on the data that you have about that person, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and so that's, that's I think, where the main value is. So uh, that extends to improving their email and SMS campaigns by what you're segmenting on, the data points that you're segmenting on. Mm -hmm. So no longer do you have to segment based on like, you know, VIP customers who spend over $300, you know, and engage in these emails. Um, you, you can base it on, you know, what they're looking for, what challenges they have, how they like to, you know, what type of hair they have, all these things that you, you don't necessarily get, yeah. but they can um, in, inform the content that you're sending them. And, and uh, so all of a sudden you're going to see increased engagement uh, in terms of uh, your communication. So email, click-through rate, um, conversion rate. So uh, there are statistics that I think this is from Segment or Accenture on personalization mm -hmm. of um, that people are willing and want to buy from brands that offer a personalized experience and yeah. are frustrated by brands that cannot offer that personalized yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> that that's where the, the data that you're gathering is really important to improving your marketing. Uh, and especially, I think, in light of this notion of a customer experience gap. So 
basically the customer experience gap is that we as consumers are looking for this personalized experience, but marketers are struggling to deliver on that, whether it is a tooling that they have or the data that they're built, building their personalization campaigns on. And so our, our ultimate goal is to help brands capture this data in, a, in an easy and scalable way that adds value to their marketing, yet also creates a better customer experience. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned uh, segment uh, now owned by Twilio fits in the category of uh, CDP customer data platform, and that the the rise of that CDP sector tends to suggest that companies are realizing that getting their arms around customer data has a payoff, but that it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really mm -hmm. complicated to do, um, and and I think frequently. I don't think this is a stretch to say a lot of companies would say, well, we don't really know what we know about customers, right? Some, some stuff in this bucket, some stuff in that bucket. Can we actually take it and, 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 and use it to craft and tailor what we have to say back to get that boost from personalization that you alluded to, you know, no, it's, it's, it's still too much of a mess because we bought system A, system B, system C, the average marketing org has. I forget what the number is, you know, 70, 80 different vendors in their MarTech stack of, you know, of course that stuff doesn't all talk. Seriously. Yeah. Like what a mess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah totally. And as consumers, like we're, we're a funny beast, right? I'd really like personalization. No, I'm not going to tell you anything. Uh, it'd be like saying, I really want to be friends, but I, I'm going to wear a mask every time, every time we, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a funny it's a, it, it's a funny, have our cake and eat it too mindset. And, and, you know, back to Amazon for a second, what's intriguing is how ridiculously much they, they as a company would, would know about their customers in theory. And I'm sure every time I log in the Amazon page, that's completely tailored by past purchases, browsing history, all that other stuff. I credit Amazon with having kept a fairly light touch on that like particularly in their email like their email or their email program very very restrained you know you ordered this we won't even say what it is but it's going to arrive tomorrow and it's not would you also like to buy this and uh you know gee too bad about your hair getting gray and so on which they probably know yeah, yeah. they don't blast me with it well they, they changed that so that in uh 2016 that they changed their terms of service uh, because merchants could directly send to consumers. Yeah. Um, and we had a product at, at Jungle Scout uh, that helped facilitate reviews. Uh, and it, it changed. We had to uh, basically overnight change things so that no longer, be, because it, it was um, it was no longer allowed. So the, the whole um, impetus of the product changed, um, more so to seeding uh, products at a discount as opposed to asking for reviews. So yeah, Amazon was... As they as they should, because it is a better con consumer experience. Uh, it's very controlling of how merchants can communicate, and at yeah. this point, can't really. It can't. It can't really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you find as you're working in in the um, Shopify ecosystem, how how Shopify as a de facto platform for you guys to work with? Uh, from a partner perspective, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, uh, pretty good, pretty good. I mean, there there are. 
obviously changes in terms of uh, the APIs to keep keep up sure. with the sure. listings. Um, but Shopify as a whole has become, uh, I think, very developer friendly. Uh, like for example, last year they used to have a twenty percent take of all uh, revenue up to a million dollars for Shopify apps. Uh, they did away with that. So wow, it's a little bit more attractive and and compare that with Apple, which takes 30%. Facebook, I think for their Web3 stuff, is taking 50% or plus. You know, so um, it, it's it's friendly in that sense. Uh, they do kind of like foster this, this ecosystem of helping people um, making the acquisition of uh, customers a little bit easier with their app store. Um, but, you know, there, there are pros and cons as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, they have to stay in business. They can't charge everybody zero. So there's, there's that, Yeah, <laughs> you know, on top of it. Um, you mentioned him. So I'll just ask it as succinctly as possible. Is Facebook factor in your, in the world of your, of your service at all? Well, not directly, but indirectly in that uh, DTC brand, direct to consumer brands relied a lot on Facebook and Instagram ads. And as budgets become uh, less clear or, or the return on ad spend becomes less clear and uh, perhaps less profitable. Yeah, uh, th yeah there, there's a greater emphasis on capturing a lead and capturing the customer data. So in that sense, it has been uh, a little bit of, of a beneficial thing for us. <laughs> this is a, this is a, turbulent moment in uh digital commerce and, and i'm going to point back to apple and app tracking transparency which you already touched on it's just the 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 free and easy wild west touch points have been shut down dramatically and we're seeing you know we're seeing the impact in the market facebook probably being the poster child for impact in the market but it's definitely changed it's changed the marketing game for companies from large to small, like dramatically. And, and this is pretty recent. I know ATT was what, 2021? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And though, I mean, look at, wow, what are we, uh, right now starting early November, but last week Facebook would drop what 30%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so it's, it's real significant. Uh, yeah. And who knows in some ways how they can recover and they're making their strategic bet on web three. We'll yeah. See. That, that, that would be a whole different, that would be a whole different yeah, right. set of conversations. Hey, one of the, one of the reasons that I like the yeah, email as a space is, you know, yes, it's one of the oldest of the digital marketing channels, but it has remained, um, unowned. There's not, a, there's not a monopoly or a duopoly parked at the front end of email. There's a, there's a, there's a duopoly parked at the back end in inboxes and email clients, which frankly, I don't think a lot of people are conscious of, but it's there, Google, Apple. But at the front end, for one of your customers to have an email program, like they can just go for it and do it. They probably use Klaviyo if you're in the Shopify uh, uh, ecosystem. It's kind of a strong relationship between those two companies, but they don't have to go pay someone or ask permission to tee up via email their outbound communication or relationship with people who've said, you know, I like your products. I like your services. I will sign up. They don't have, they don't have to keep paying for it either. If that's working, if my hot sauce guy tees up an email newsletter about hot sauce, he's paying to send the email, but he's not paying someone else or competing in the market to, to outspend people in that email channels. And I, I do like that balance that, uh, sort of fair playing field 
about yeah. email. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, <clears throat> you know, there, there's, it's a never ending game of optimization, but it, it can become an evergreen oh, funnel yeah. in the sense of like, all right, if they have their paid ad strategy nailed down from different channels, go to this landing page, opt in, and then yeah. their, their welcome flow, their, their benefits, features, it becomes, it becomes a beautiful system yeah. if you can scale it. If you can scale it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where I would see you helping, like say, uh, helping with a number of things, but email programs specifically, knowing more about those customers is the maker or breaker of being effective with that longer term communication and email. And, and I think especially in text, which we talked about a little bit in, before we turned on the record button here, mm -hmm. um, let's jump there for just a second. Do you have anyone taking, uh, taking pre-hook, you know, quiz data and, and really directly shaping what they do in the SMS channel? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, <clears throat> a lot of brands. Um, so SMS is different in the sense that it's, it's a highly personal experience, you know, and, and I've seen different stats, but, um, uh, maybe 90% open yeah. rate or, or, yeah. you know, you're, you're sending an SMS, it's going directly to the person's phone, which they are opening, you know, hundreds of times a day. Yep. Uh, so it's, you need to be very careful and thoughtful about it, which is where segmentation comes in. Yes. Um, and so, uh, maybe you're using it less than email, but every, every message might have greater impact. And also you, you are, uh, there's a cost element as well, because every SMS message you're sending costs something. It does. It does. Um, so you really don't want to just be blasting out your whole list. Um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot, uh, where the general flow of a quiz might be asking easier questions because asking for an opt-in immediately, it might be a little off-putting, but like, you know, Hey, Matthew, what, what type of, um, what red or white one, what do you like? Or, or, yeah, right. uh, you know, easier questions, what's your name, uh, then get maybe getting more to the meat of things. And then finishing the quiz with like, hey, where can we send your personalized recommendation or where can we send you more information based off your quiz responses? So that's like kind of the email opt-in. Yeah. Then the, the hook for an SMS might be, you know, join our community or or get X percent off, um, whatever it is. But then uh, that's that's where the, the quiz question will capture both an email and SMS, can capture an email yeah. and SMS. Yeah. And so our product, uh, integrates with Clavin Omnisend, which are email and SMS platforms, mm -hmm. kind of like the de facto for e-commerce brands. And then Attentive and Postscript, which are kind of the leaders in the SMS space for e-commerce e yeah. brands. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're doing tremendous um, ROI with SMS campaigns. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a great channel. I had a, uh, I had a guest uh, about a month ago, Scott Cohen, who was uh, email marketer of the year last year. Um, and he was talking about SMS, which is now in his sort of portfolio. And his comment, as I recall, was it is incredibly effective. It can be incredibly expensive. Like you really have to pay attention uh, mm -hmm. to, to how often you're sending and what and why. And about a week after I chatted with Scott, I got an inbound text from a political campaign. And I know you spent some time in that world yourself. And the body of the text was 800 words. And there was a picture yeah. on top of it. <laughs> and I sent it to Scott. I said, just got this. And he, I think his response was, yeah, that was probably 11 or 12 cents just to send you that message. Yeah. yeah. Just for you to say unsubscribe or, or no. You know, and it was a message like, 
they spent 10 or 12 cents asking me for a $3 donation. And I was just running the math in my head going, whoa, the success rate better be pretty darn high. Yeah. Just yeah, I mean, I think that's experience. kind of like a universal marketing lesson is you <laughs> need to be channel specific. You, yeah, you, you really just do. need kind of like copy and paste from one channel to the next or one you know platform to yeah. another. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work. Well, uh, in our wrap up here, where do you where do you see where do you see taking this venture of yours, you and your partners? Um, well, you know, we're we're just gonna kind of focus on growing it. Uh, you know, in, in terms of getting in more people's hands, building out the, the feature set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, kind of like ultimately going up market in terms of Shopify plus and, and, um, okay. some larger brands. So that's, that's how we're trying to grow it. Um, and so we're, we're bootstrapping it, you know, no, no outside funding. And that's kind of like the journey that, that we've, or the path that we've chosen. And so we're hopefully going to just, uh, kind of take it as far as we can. Um, and there, there are definitely a lot of opportunities we see in terms of the customer data play for e-commerce brands and e-commerce enablement, you know, SaaS tools, uh, that we, we think we're well positioned in a good space. Nice. Well, it, it, it sounds like an interesting ride. I love the bootstrap. I mean. Uh, Campaign Genius, our company, is bootstrapped as well. And that's a, that's a very different journey than backed and, and funded and answerable to, you know, answerable to investors for the speed of results and stuff like that. It's uh, both, both are hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Making a new thing is hard, even if, even if someone's backing you to make a new thing. Um, but you can, you can make some real, you can make some uh, really personal decisions, I think, as a bootstrap about, where do you want to take it and how fast? So, so yeah. Yay. Salute. I, I, I love talking to bootstrap guys. Cause they're like, we're all like, yeah, this is just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. And you have to learn how to do what? Yeah. Got to, someone's got to figure it out. Right. No, it's exactly it for you. I love it. Well, again, for a call, it's been a pleasure talking with you and an education. I must say, I, I appreciate you making the time. Matthew, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, for anybody that's listening, please uh, feel free to reach out directly again at prehook.com, G-E-N at prehook.com. Happy to answer any questions regarding a a quiz or um, point you in the right direction or help build out your quiz. Um, But Terrific. Thanks. We're out. Thanks, Matthew.